to get out in the world, believe me, there is no, there is, there is nothing out there in the world that I would trade heaven for. I'm going to have to mind the Lord before Clay comes. Um, I sit there and stared at that little piece of paper. Two things. I'm glad I get to call him Jesus. First name basis. You know, I called a fellow today and, and uh, called him by Mr. and his last name because I didn't know him. But when you, you left that first place blank right there, I thought, son, the savior of the world, the king of kings, and we on a first name basis. Now, I, didn't, I don't say it derogatory. I don't say it flippantly. But to be able to call him Jesus. And uh, for a long time, uh, Jess and her contact in my phone is my Jessie, because she is mine. But I get to call him my Jesus. Oh, he can be yours, but he's mine. I love you because. Son, why didn't you give me a notebook? I mean, you give me a little old one-inch piece of paper and expect me to write down. And I mean, I just sit there and I started writing as little as I could and trying to, and I finally just quit. And that's why I kind of got in that altar because you know what? It's been tough. This year, the all of us going through, I'm trying to figure, whew, but I got to thinking back. There was times where Looking back over it, you may not have been able to know if you're going to have a job, if you're going to be able to do this. But I can't look back over, and I, I went, I went plumb back to June the fifteenth, nineteen eighty-one, and I can't find a date on the calendar for the nearly forty years I've had a breath that I can find where he wasn't there, making a way, doing something, and I got to, and just sitting right there. When when you started singing, sis. Uh, the Lord said, now don't you reckon I'll be around the next 40? Hey, I'm glad. And then you look back over your life. His evidence is everywhere. I, I mean, I got to thinking, I, I've wrecked two trucks total, two pickups in my life. And other than being beaten, banged, and wished I hadn't have done it, I've never been never been laid up from any I mean the, my senior year of high school I wrecked on total to pick up on Friday night and, and the third quarter I was out there playing defense trying to hit that little fella running around out there you know and, and how could that happen God God four years ago I could have had Grace with me and was in a wreck but she was with brother Clay and his family Total, almost totaled my pickup truck. God just providing and work. If you just stop for just a little bit and just start thinking, son, you should have brought us some more papers because there's, there is more to love him. And then I got to looking and I thought all of that stuff. 
all that stuff. But why do I love him? Because of who he is. Just if you take a look at Calvary and can walk away and not love him, you need to get right. Because just think about who he is. And think about the fact that when we were as wretched, we were an old dog in a trash heap. And he loved us to get down in there with us. An old wretched sinner covered with the filth of the world. And he reached right down in the middle of it. When he was telling that story, I, I was reminded of a, there was some hostages in a war. And the captors would take them out and say, all right, you can go, we're going to let you go. And then they'd take them and they'd let them run and then they'd catch them and they'd beat them mercilessly and they'd throw them and they, was, they were laying in, in all kinds of nastiness and feces and they, they, sent a, they sent a brigade to go get them, just a small team of men to go get them. And when they went in to get them, they said, come on, we're the good guys, we're the U.S., you need to come with us, you need to come with us. And they wouldn't leave because they'd all been beat up and, and, and they'd fell for that before and they said, we ain't going nowhere. And one of the guys on that team took off his night vision goggles and put it on one of the men and laid down in the nastiness and said, look, it's really us. And that man looked at him and said, you don't, I don't have to put them glasses on. Because our captors wouldn't have got down in this mess with us, but the ones that come to rescue us would. Hey, I'm glad the one that come to rescue me would be willing to get down in the mess and get me out. Amen? Hey, listen, I, I just want to say, Lord, I love you. Too many reasons to say I love you. But I just want to tell him publicly, I love him. God means to do business with somebody, with a lot of somebodies. I don't know who, who it is. I, I don't need to know who it is. But there's, there's too much going on around here. Amen. say this while you're just thinking about what you're supposed to do. Josh, it don't bother me a bit that you don't know what I said. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. My consolation in preaching, because I know 
how feeble my preaching is. I'm just, a, I'm just a man. My consolation is that I know that he's able. If, if you don't ever remember my name, if you don't remember what I look like, I could care less. But if you know him, and if you know that he's working in your heart, if anything happens, whether, whether my mouth's open or not, if anything happens and it moves God's people to action, we got to start a revival. Boy, that excites me. It really does. And I love you, brother, and I thank you for that obedience. I do. Like I say, I don't know exactly what... Uh, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to be, you know, super spiritual or anything like that. I'm not trying to drum up anything. I've just prayed, leading up to this week, uh, that, that God should just let me know what you want to do. That's it. That's all I want. It's just if you want to work, if you want to move, if somebody's out there that needs to unload something, just let it happen. Just get me out of the way and let it happen. And I believe with all my heart, and I've shared with a couple of folks here this week, there's something, there's something that needs to take place, more than one somethings. But, but there's, been a, there's been a resistance up here. I can feel it. I don't know what it is. Amen, Brother Jim. Amen. I said earlier in the week, the altar's always open. Okay? You ain't gonna you ain't gonna bother me a bit. You're not gonna the only way you can hinder is when he tells you to move and you don't. But moving, shouting, 
crying, snotting, whatever you got to do, that ain't going to hinder. That ain't going to hinder anything. I just don't want to, yeah. Amen. Amen. God help this sister, I pray, in the name of Jesus, that you'll show her what it is that you want her to do. God, I pray that within her, that you would raise up a revival. God, that you would work through her and her, her outward testimony here this evening, that she, she just wants to know, God, she just wants to serve you. Lord, I pray that it spread like wildfire. God, I ask you for the sake of, of you and your sacrifice, that your church would become humble enough to just fall before you and say, God, use me. Lord, please help her in Christ's name. little lady over here, she reached up after she filled out that paper and she held it over there where I could see. I don't know if I can. <laughs> oh, God, I love him. She held her paper over there where I could see it. And it said, because... You talk to me. <laughs> the more I thought about that, you know, <laughs> I never have been, you know, a, a, I'm not just sitting a sob story. I've, ne I've never been the popular person. Never, never was, the, you know, the kid that everybody wanted to be around in school and that kind of thing. Most of the time, I just kind of cowered back in the corner and, and you know, kind of hoping that nobody would notice me. But every once in a while, one of those popular kids would notice me. You know, hey, how you doing? And man, that just lit me up, you know. And then one day, the son of God, he said, Clay, sir, he said, Clay, I love you. I love you, and I know what you've done. And I love you anyway. I love him because he talks to me. When nobody else wants to talk to me, he talks to me. When I ain't fit to talk to, he's right there. I love him, church. We've messed up a lot, you know that? A lot of different ways. Each person that's sitting in here this evening represents maybe a, a different way that we've messed up. But he loves us. He loves us so much. The message that uh, I had for tonight, I don't know that, that we'll get through it, but I'm going to start into it because I feel like Somebody needs a little bit more time to think about whatever it is you're facing. Whatever it is that you need to say to him or, or do with him. But I wanted to talk about the body, the church, being reacquainted with the head in Christ Jesus. 
Revival, I believe, requires a unified spirit. Maybe not every single person, but for the most part, a unified spirit within the body. Uh, a unified spirit of repentance, of humility. Um, I guess really what I'm trying to say is I believe that when we see God work in the scriptures, then, then it was because somebody or a group of somebodies all got their focus turned in the right direction, which was toward him. Right? If we're all looking and working toward the same thing as a church, not just Grassy Creek, but, but as a, the whole church, the real body of Christ, if we're all focused in that direction of Him, man, He can revive us, He can use us, and He can do things. And, and, and along the sides, there may be some folks that ain't too sure about it and, and, and maybe they're not too sure about Him or, or the church or whatever it is. And, and as we see God work through His body, as the body follows along with the head, then them people on the sides will get picked up. And some of them folks is lost. Some of them folks has just gotten so far away from Him that they, they may have forgotten what it was like to be close to Him. And so as we focus on him and we think about how much he loves us and we love him, that's, that's all we want to do is just focus on him. In Romans chapter number 12, there in verse number 1, we're going to read right there. Romans chapter 12, the first few verses actually. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He can transform us and he can renew our minds. And the purpose of that is so that we can prove what is that perfect, that good, that, that will of God that he wants to accomplish. Church, as we focus on how much he loves us and how much we love him, you understand there's a purpose behind this and it's not, it's not about me and you. It's not so that we can feel good. It's not so that, that you and I can, can get something out of it. It's so that the rest of the world will know how great God really is. I, I think one of the reasons we need revival, Pastor, is because we've got to think and this is about us and it ain't at all about us. It ain't at all about us. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you. I love you. And you know, Lord, that we, we just want to do in the bottom of our hearts what you want to do. And God, I, I have no idea. This is, this is off the notes. This is totally in your hands, God, which is right where it's supposed to be. Lord, I just ask you to glorify yourself that you would find here tonight some faithful folks 
even if it's just one or two, Lord, but some folks that are primed, that are, that are ready in humility to be used by you. Lord, we ask you for revival. We need you to revive us because, God, we, we can't do it ourselves. Oh, we can stir up emotions and we can, we can stir up things and we can say and do so, things that, that would just make a, a mess. But real, true revival and, and really what's going to make a difference in the world, what will prove your perfect will will be what we let you do inside of us. Lord, I just want you to be pleased. I just want you to be happy. You deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we focus on the king, the head of the church, and I'm sure everybody here probably knows, but uh, when we talk about the head of the church, we're talking about the only begotten Son of God. We're not just talking about a king. We're not just talking about a good preacher. We're not just talking about a prophet. We are talking about the Son of God, God Almighty, made into the flesh of mankind, who lived a sinless life, died a death for us on a cross horribly, and rose again on the third day, victorious. When we talk about the head of the church, we're not talking about a pastor we're not talking about a, an elder. We're not talking about anything really that you and I could compare it to in our mortal government. We're talking about the Son of God. He is the head of the church. He is the head of the body. I want us to be sure that we really understand and that we're really thinking about what that means. He's the embodiment of the greatest love in all of the universe. Our head, the one that we are to follow, is everything. Everything from everlasting to everlasting. The Son of God, listen, Colossians chapter number 1, in verses 17 through 19 it says this, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he might, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now listen, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. When we talk about the Son of God, we understand who, who God is as best we can, right? We're, we're talking about, how do, you even, how do you even put words with it? Who God is. God is God. There is none like Him. He is the existing one. He, he is the, the all-powerful, the almighty. He is the creator of all things known and unknown. He is the controller. He's, he is the beginning and the end. He is everything. And that God, the one true and living God, said, I want all that is me to dwell in my son. Let that sink in for just a second. God Almighty that could do anything and everything and is everything. He said, I want, I want all the glory. I want all the power. I want all the fullness to be in God the Son. And he wrapped him up in the flesh, so to speak. Bear with me in my terminology. And he was born of a virgin. 
all the fullness of the universe, born of a virgin in the form of sinful mankind, but without sin. Do we really understand when we talk about the head of the church and who that is? Because when we can grasp a little bit of that, then we can begin to, to, to let go of why we think we ought to do this, that, or the other, and we can just say, you know what? I, I'm just going to follow the head. I'm just going to fall in line. I'm just going to love him for who he is. He's the giver of unmatchable peace and comfort. He has all the power in the universe, can snuff out life and create life in a thought, without even an action, but in a thought. He's able to do anything, and yet, with a sinner's soul, he's as gentle as anybody could ever be. When we come crawling to him, the love that he shows toward us receives us, and no matter what shape we're in, he just says, I love you. And I want to be with you. That is the head of the church. That is who we, through faith in him, are attached to, right? He's forgiven. That in itself brings me to tears. Because I know what I've done. I know what I continue to do sometimes, even when I don't want to do it. Even when I know it's wrong. And I can't, oh, you know, I just I do it. God, why? As Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me? Jesus. Jesus. He is all of the things that would comfort us. He's all of the things that would heal us. He's all of the things that, that we could ever imagine or need all wrapped up in one name, in one being, in one person. He is everything. Now here's the part that, I, that, that really gets me. Being all of that, he said, I want you. He said, I love you. One of the things that I can honestly say, I still haven't gotten my mind wrapped around but in the scripture we find where, where God Almighty who's able to work out all of these things, he put all the fullness of himself into his son Jesus Christ. And in the garden his son, sweating his great drops of blood, cried out to him in his humanity. And he said, if there's any other way, any other way. And God looked at his only begotten son and he said no. Just think about that for a minute. God told his son no. Why? Because of you and because of me. Church, I don't, I don't hardly know what to do with that except just to just to fall down in front of him and say, I love you. I love you, Lord. The fact that he would do that for us. <laughs> oh, church. 
how sweet that love is. And we could go on and on and on. You know, just as John said about about the things that Jesus did, that the world couldn't contain the books if all those things were written. The universe could not contain all of the things and the ways that he loves us. And, and, and we can, I want, I, I want you to bear with me in this, okay? And I want you to, to understand there, there's a purpose. We can talk about those things and they give us those warm and, and fuzzy feelings and, and comforting and those are precious and those are sweet and, and like I said, they're unmatchable. But as a church, we're in a position in time that he has chosen. And, and, and we have talked about those things and we have enjoyed those, those attributes of him and his love so much within the confines of the church. And we've come in service after service and, and sang about it and, and just loved and been replenished and that's what, that's what he meant for us to do and, and, and to be. But he is also somebody else too. David said in, in Psalm 24, he, he wrote there, he said, Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I hope you understand what I mean by this and what I'm saying right now in that, that church, we're guilty of rocking each other to sleep in the church house while the world's dying. We're guilty of, of enjoying the love and the blessings so much of God within the church house and going out of here with a smile on our face because of how much he loves us and walking right by people in the gutter that are dying without him going to hell. There is a war going on and we are so comfortable in the church that we, we're almost completely out of the fight. Or at least that's the way it seems. And, and, you know, maybe that's because we know who wins. Maybe that's because we've read the book and we believe and we have faith. And, and that is all great, but, but listen to me. While we've been rocking each other to sleep, the enemy's been gearing up for war. He's been preparing for battle. And we've just been enjoying ourselves. Secure in our salvation and just sitting on a pew waiting on him to return. Let me ask you if you know this side of Jesus, and if you've ever really thought about it, because it motivates me, and it makes me want to, want to be revived. It makes me want to do something about it when I think about kind of how he was when he was here on this earth. You know, uh, Hollywood and, and in a lot of other places that they've tried to depict him and and the cover of magazines and pictures by great artists, we see this, this gentle picture of this, this calm and, and, you know, laid-back, easy-going, fair-skinned man. And we've bought into that a lot. My Savior and my Jesus is mighty in battle. I don't know about you, but it was my Jesus that when he came on the scene, when, when he first got started, now think about this, 
in Nazareth, in his hometown. He, he walked into the synagogue one Saturday and they gave him the roll to read, the scroll to read. And he, he opened it up and he read there in Isaiah. Now here's the part that really shook him up. He said, that's me. He said, that part I just read there in Isaiah, he said, that's me. He said, the scripture is fulfilled right in front of you. Have you ever thought about that church? <laughs> what would it be like if he walked in here right now and he said, that's me? How would we take it? Are we ready for that or, or would we doubt it? Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the head of the church, our Savior, was not a pushover. He was not one to, to come into a religious institution and sit and, and, and uh, talk about things like we talk about. As a matter of fact, the only time you found him in a religious institution was when he was taking it apart, word by word, or table by table. I just want to be sure we're, we're all considering who he is, the head of the church. Whenever we think about, about him and, and, and that aspect, maybe a good way to relate to it and maybe a way that will help us this evening is to think about the fact that whenever, whenever the devil's been beaten up on you, maybe during the pandemic, maybe with some situation that's going on in your life, whenever uh, in the, the recent days or weeks, when you've crawled to him and you, you've been crying and just, just you've been bullied by the devil or his henchmen, was your Jesus one that went over there and, and said, okay, just hang on, I'll go talk to him. Excuse me, Satan. You know, if you could, please take it easy on him. Is that your Jesus? Because it's not mine. Whenever I go crawl into my Jesus and, and, I, and I'm troubled and I'm struggling with things, whether it's temptation or whatever it may be, then my Jesus, all he's got to do is say boo and the devil's gone. All I got to do is say Jesus and the devil's gone. Do you understand this evening that he is mighty and powerful and he is ready for battle? He, he is our bridegroom and we are his bride. We need to understand that even though he loves us so sweetly and so dearly, he does not intend for us to just ride that sweet, dear love on a seat of do-nothing. He intends for us to go to battle in his name. When we read there out of Romans chapter 12, what we read, that we present ourselves a living sacrifice holy, acceptable under God, which is our reasonable... When we present ourselves a living sacrifice, do you know what that means? Do you know what Paul... He said, I beseech you. In other words, I'm begging you. He's telling the Romans, listen, I'm begging you to throw yourself on an altar before an almighty God, to give him all you've got. I can't remember who it was that I was reading, but he made a point, preacher Nathan, and... And this is what the writer said. He said, God does not send fire on empty altars. Church, is that what we've been asking him to do? 
Have, have we been standing back looking at the altar saying, send fire, God, send fire. Because what he wants us to do is to crawl up on that altar and say, God, consume me for your glory. Here I am, a living sacrifice. If we are the body of the church, which we are through the blood of Christ, if that's who we really are, why in the world are we not fighting like it? Why in the world are we not unified under the head that he has given us and seeking out the lost, seeking out those that need him, seeking out those whose sin is overcoming? You know, a lot of times we get, we get caught up in things in the church. We get caught up in, in tradition and, and in uh, even, you know, sometimes we can even worship worship. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a dangerous thing. It's good to worship, but we should always keep in our minds that, that worship scripturally, praise is about singing and praise is about glorifying him and testifying and such as that. Worship is about death. Worship, you remember Abraham and Isaac, you know, whenever they were getting ready to go out there, God told him to sacrifice his son and Abraham and Isaac, were, they had some men with them, some servants, and they got to a certain point, and Abraham told them men, he said, wait here, the lad and I go yonder to worship. Were they going up there to sing and to play? When he said, we're going to worship, what he was saying is, I'm going to sacrifice my son. I'm going to take his life. When we worship, church, it's about dying to self. It's about being a living sacrifice. It's about putting ourselves on that altar knowing that he can raise us in revival. When we talk about being the body, then we've got to accept that under the lordship of Jesus Christ, it may not always be the way we want it to be. It may not always go the way we want it to go. But if we're going to follow him, we follow him in thick and thin. A lot of times we, we may get to the altar and then pull ourselves back. Lord, I'll give you this much, but I won't give you all of it. And we don't say it like that, but that's what happens. I'll pay so much, but God, you're asking too much. God, you, you, you mean to tell me you want me to, to get up there in front of everybody and give a testimony? I can't do that. God, I'll, I'll praise you from where I sit, but I, I can't get up there. It don't work like that, church. The head of the church wants us to give ourselves to him. We will be unified and we can be revived when we get on the same page with what he's wanting to do. When we're willing to turn ourselves over to him and, 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 and just say, here I am. Here I am, God. You know, there's the things that get in the way, the, the pride sometimes that we have. Uh, a lot of times we don't want what the head wants and sometimes we aren't even close enough to him to know what he's wanting. And so we struggle against him and we see things happening in church. And, and those things, are pride is a sin, right? Pride is a sin. I think some of you in here don't think so. But it is, according to the scripture. And when we get too proud as a church, it, it's the same sin as if a lost person was sinning. But the difference is 
We have Christ. Don't you know that breaks his heart? We know better. We've got his word. It's not just pride, though. I think there's some things that, that have been taking place that are, that are much worse. Apathy. Apathy. Complacency. The fact that we do know better and that we think we're not that bad, and, and, and maybe in the back of our mind we know what he wants, but, but it's too much. Or, you know, I'm saved. I mean, I'm going to get there anyway, right? I, I don't need to do all that. What happens in the body whenever that flow gets cut off from the head? It's kind of like, uh, I think this is a common thing. I don't know. Maybe it's people over 40. I don't know. But if I cross my legs for just a little bit, my foot will start going to sleep. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you this. This is kind of funny. Maybe this will lighten it up a little bit. Uh, I don't remember how. I, I used to sleep on my stomach. Okay, that's just where, that was the position and I slept best that way. Well, I got to a point in life where I realized I couldn't do that anymore because my arms would go to sleep. And the way I figured that out was kind of a, a difficult way. You know, I, I went to sleep like that one time and when I woke up, both arms completely numb. You had never been there. You'd realize how funny that is because when both of your arms are completely numb and you're laying on your stomach, you're like a fish out of water. You, you can't push, you can't turn yourself over. So I ended up just flopping in the bed, you know, till I, Lord, what's happened to me, you know? As funny as that is, that's kind of what's happening in our churches. You see, we, we've got proud or, or, or we've got apathetic or complacent. We've gotten comfortable. We've gotten happy right the way things are and we don't want to change it. And the blood flow has been cut off to that part of the church. We need revival. We need a fresh flow of that life-given blood to come back into the church. And we need it badly. Over in Colossians, uh, it, it talks about, you know, he's writing to Colossians, he's talking about them getting caught up and he's warning them about getting caught up in, in uh, religious rituals and such as that. And he says there, uh, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Not holding the head. There it is right there, church. We have a head on our body that is all and will always be all and always has been all. He is the Son of God, the fullness of God Almighty. But we have not held Him as the head. We, we have, in so many ways, said that's where he's at, but not lived that that's where he's at. We need unity in the body. We need to be focused on the head, and we need to be following him. We need to be seeking him out. But it's not something that, that can just happen because somebody preaches about it a little bit. It's not something that can just happen because we just want it to. We have to become unified together as we focus on Him. Do you know what I mean by that? There's got to be unity in the church. Being the body of Christ, it's not just that we're submitted to Him, 
but it's that we're submitted to one another as well. You know, I have been burdened for weeks that, that this revival, that part of it was dependent, whether there would be revival or not, was dependent on whether we could get together. Not me and you, but I'm just talking about in general. If the body parts could get together with one another. Now, I don't, I don't know everybody in here well enough to know relationships and who's in your life and, who's, and, and what's taken place in the past or whether there's somebody over here that's upset with somebody over here and, and somebody's granddaddy did this and that a long time ago. I don't know. But what I do know is that as a born-again body of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be in this thing together. We've got to be loving one another. and We've got to be agreeable in this thing. We've got to accept our place that he has given us under him. He's individually equipped each of us that, that when we're working together properly, then he receives glory and we become an unstoppable force. You know that church? That, that seems like almost a foreign thing, doesn't it? Because the church has been stopped so much. We don't, we don't like to talk about it when we're sitting in here, but let's just be honest about it. You know, if I remember what I read right, whenever they took prayer out of schools, they took Bible out of schools, I think we may have talked about this before. You know, there, there was a, a woman that went to court over that, if I remember correctly, and, and she fought to get that done. And do you know how many church people were there to defend against that? Zero. Not an unstoppable force. Nobody. We were too busy talking about carpet and air conditioning and adding on and doing this and doing that. While we've been singing each other lullabies about our sweet Jesus, the enemy has been taking apart everything around us. Church, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop what's going on. And the only way we can do that is to be unified under our head, Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want us to show him and to share with each other how much we love him and how much he loves us. But can't we find the fight in that? Can't in that love, can we not be revived? Can we not stand up and say, you know what? That is who my Jesus is. He is mighty in battle. And I am his, and he is mine. Quickly, and I'll be done. There's one more place that we need to consider this evening. And that is inside of each one of us. So we, we need to be unified with him. We need to be unified as a church, but we also, the Christian needs to be unified within ourselves. And what I mean by that is that we may find it in ourselves to love one another. And I'm just, just going to be real with you, but some of us have a hard time loving ourselves, don't we? Sometimes the devil likes to get us down and discouraged about who we used to be or about the mistake we made yesterday. And, and do you know that it's so easy for him to, to just pull us down a little bit and the next thing you know we're not serving God we, we're not looking to our head we're just, we're just fighting against ourselves and we're tearing ourselves apart 
as we think about that sweet and precious love of Christ, as we think about how mighty He is and who He is, remember, this is about proving something. And it's not just about proving to the world. It's about you understanding Him and what He's done for you and how His forgiveness is everlasting. And how He, being the judge of all, He is the only righteous judge, has forgiven you. Are you with me, church? As far as the east is from the west, He's forgiven you. So forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Whatever it is that's happened in your life, it may be terrible. You know what? I'm sure it is terrible, but it's not too much for Him. It's real hard to find a church to be revived whenever we've taken ourselves out of the picture. You know, if each one of us sits back and says, you know what, y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead and be revived, but I'm just not there. I'm just not there. It don't take much of that before there's nobody there to be revived. We've just taken ourselves out of the picture. Part of this is that, that we are double-minded. And the Bible says that a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. We are double-minded in the fact that, that we say who he is and we say what we believe, but then in the dark of night, we're far from him. We're double-minded in that, that on Sunday and, and Wednesday maybe and during revival, we love him and, and we shout and we, we do everything for him. But then on Monday or Tuesday or at work or at school or wherever it may be, we're not so much about him as we were before. He, can't, he, he won't bless that. I shouldn't say he can't, but he won't, right? When we think about being unified within ourselves as a Christian, remember this, in Matthew 6, Jesus said that the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. That word single, you know what it means? It means simple. Not confused, not complicated. It just means one single thing. And you know what that one single thing needs to be? Him. Him. Preacher, what do we do for revival? We've talked about repentance. We've talked about sacrificing ourselves. We've talked about all these things. What do we need to do for revival? Put Him at the head. Focus on Him. And that's it. That's it, church. Stand to your feet, please. Josh, if you would come, if you'd come play, please. There's probably somebody out there right now thinking, man, he killed it. We had a good service going and he killed it. It's like I said in the beginning, I, I don't know, I don't know what you need to do. I don't even know who you are. But I believe with all of my heart that they somebody, so they may be at the house. Everybody in here may be holier than thou. Everybody in here may be just perfect in your relationship with Christ. But there's somebody out there this evening, somewhere, that's suffering 
because they don't have him at the head. There's somewhere, there's somebody that's carrying something on themselves that they don't need to be carrying. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed, please. Pastor Nathan's going to come up here and he's going to finish out this invitation. I just wonder, would you ask yourself this, this one question? Am I doing everything that I can do to be the body of Christ? In the book of 2 Kings, there's a story of four lepers. They're sitting outside the camp because as lepers, they were not allowed to come inside. And 
they were starving to death. And because of their condition, they were staying outside. But they looked at each other and they said, there's this statement in 2 Kings. Why sit we here till we die? And as I, I was listening to Brother Clay, the thought that was on my mind, we can't keep dying like this. We've got a choice. Uh, we are either going to just sit or we're going to get connected with the head. But if we're not willing to fight when we have at the head a warrior king. You know, I, I told you the other Wednesday night that I had a man tell me one time he was going to whoop me. And I told him I, would, I didn't want to fight. And he said, I don't care if you fight or not, I'm going to whoop you. And I could either take that whooping or I could fight and make him earn it. Satan's got this attitude, I'm going to whoop you. And we can either see it or we can fight. We can either get connected to the head, but, but we can't keep dying like this. I, I'm, I have prayed all week, God, what, what? And the little insight that I have gotten tonight is this. In unity, not uniformity, but in unity, this church needs to have an attitude of, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I just want to do it. I, I mean, we, we treat this altar like it is a place to get, but the altar is a place to give. When a lamb was brought to the altar, it didn't leave. But we treat this altar as a place to come and say, God, I want, God, I want. But it should be a place where we say, God, here you go. Here I am. We have gotten so caught up in the consumer mentality. That we want him to bless and we want him to give, but we don't want to give anything. Uh, this may be funny to some of y'all, but Lida comes to me and it's a daddy-daughter thing. She comes to me and she says, Daddy, I, I want something to drink. And I'll say, what you got to trade on? And I get me a little kiss on the cheek. I said, Daddy, I, I, I want a snack. Well, what you got to trade on? She give me a little, and, I, and if it's a, if I know I'm gonna get in trouble for giving her something sweet, I usually take two, cause it's got to be make make it worth it. I wonder, I wonder, if we just come to the Lord too much and say I won't, I won't, I won't, when He's trying to say, well, what you gonna give? He wants to send revival, but are we? What are we gonna do if He does? What would Grassy Creek Baptist Church do if all of a sudden 
he said, this is what, and poured it out. Would we board it up, hoard it up, and put it back? Or would we start distributing? What would we do with it? Maybe, maybe in the middle of all the craziness of this world, he wants you and I to put our boots on, put on that belt of truth, put on that breastplate of righteousness, pull down tight that helmet of salvation, grab that shield of faith, grab that sword, and get behind our commander-in-chief, our general, and say, hell can't stop us, let's go. There is no reason why in Mitchell County, with 30-something Baptist churches and over 90, almost 100 churches that cross different denominations, that hell should have any leeway around here. If 12,000 people are supposedly Christian people out of 15, there should be no reason Satan shouldn't have a toehold. The serpent shouldn't have a place in the hedge to get the... But here's the problem. We've just got disconnected. We got a head cold. I was sitting there thinking about, you know, have you ever been to the doctor and they say, it's all in your head. Are you talking to somebody? It's all in my head. Let me tell you something. It's all in our head. Jesus. And we need to get back connected and follow him. Church, we can't keep dying like this. I mean, I'm not being whatever. It is encouraging to look around and see younger people in a revival service. But I've been to revival services where it was the majority was the older generation. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm not, but, but it's a sad reality when 18 to 35-year-olds are non-existent in the church. Now, they'll come for entertainment. We can't keep dying like this. Who's going to fill the shoes? Who's going to be willing to step up? There's going to come a time where there's going to need to be a younger man in this pulpit. I ain't giving it up yet, so don't anybody get excited. We can't keep dying like this. We got we to gotta get fixed up. And what it's going to take is us saying, Lord, I, I don't know, but it don't matter. Here you go. And isn't that kind of the way it was when we got saved anyway? I mean, when we, when we got confronted with our sin, did we not just say, it don't really matter what you want me to do. I'll do anything you want me to. Just save me. Just save me. And then we get saved, and we, get t- we, get, we join the church and everything, and then all of a sudden we just get to the point where we're like, well, you know, Lord, I don't know if I got to. Here's what I, 
You know, I wouldn't mind going to revival, but they always last forever. You're always late when you get out. There's always too much singing and too much long, long-winded preaching, too much slow listening. Maybe the preaching wouldn't have to be so long if the fire would get stoked a little quicker. Now, I probably just got myself in a world of trouble. But isn't that the truth? Church, we can't keep dying like this. We got to do something. I may want to ask you, and I, I, want him to, I just want you to sing one, one, one verse. Are you willing to just come up here tonight and say, Lord, I can't keep dying like this. I don't want to see grassy. Now, listen, God's been moving in our church. I, I mean, listen, I, and I'm, I know that, but at the same time, you know, I'm talking about the body. The body can't keep dying like that. We can't keep letting people and Satan take and take and take. Would you be willing to say, Lord, I don't know what it is, but I don't care what it is. Use me. I want you to have me. I want to get connected. And I'll tell you this, and I'm going to make a statement that, that my toes is curling up in my shoes to tell you this, but I believe it. If we would come under the authority of the head of Jesus Christ and if we would work in unity together, when you got to the top of the mountain and crossed under the parkway, you would know you, you are on God's territory. And when you crossed around into Mitchell County, something would happen and you could feel it. But it's going to take God's people being in unity and under the authority of the head, Jesus Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't want you looking around and saying, well, if that and moves, I better move. If that moves, I better. I don't care if you turn the cameras off. If you're at the house and you can't get here, get down in, the, get down in front of the couch as he plays and sings. Mind the Lord.
so I've got your attention. And the Lord's got your attention, and I know you're listening. And so some of you in here tonight may be thinking, okay, I have said, Lord, I'll do it. What do you want me to do? And you're probably going to go home and expect handwriting on the wall. You're going to look for some shooting star or some lunar eclipse. You're going to look for a sign. And I'm not telling you that he would not use one. But I am going to tell you on the authority of heaven how to find out what to do get involved get involved come find you a disciple life class on Sunday morning get involved be here tomorrow night and pray pray leading up to the service pray when the service starts Get in the choir and sing. And as you get more and more involved, you'll either get more and more hungry or you'll get satisfied when you reach this. And I'm not talking about satisfaction in a negative sense. But when you get to where he wants you to be, I was doing all kinds of stuff but until I said, I'll preach, that's what you want. And for two years at Fruitland Baptist Bible Institute, when they would talk about pastoring, I would say, boys, I'm never going to pastor. I don't want to pastor. I don't have a heart to pastor. I don't like people enough to pastor. That's what I told one of my professors. He said, so why don't you want to pastor? I said, I don't like people. I like Jesus. 18 years I've been pastoring a church. But it wasn't until I said, I don't care. And I had to get more involved. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to drum up more members of committees. I'm not, they, some of you men biblically qualified, you ought to be willing to say, all right, Lord, do you want me to serve on the deacon board at Grassy Creek Baptist Church? Do you want me to be in armor bearers? Do you want me to be in Grassy Creek Baptist women? They some y'all at the house, and I, I listen, I'm just going to say it like I feel like I need to. They some y'all at the house need to get back to church, period. Because that's what's happened. And when we're willing to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, and, and he's not going to, he's not going to write it in a constellation. He's not going to give you a book. The best thing to do is just to start getting involved. And there is not, in my opinion, not because I'm the pastor here, but because I really believe it, there is not a better place in Mitchell County to get involved than right here because we have great potential to reach people 
with Jesus Christ. We got more ability than any church that I've ever been in. But I would really hate to be, boy, he'd really done something. If he had the ability, but he didn't. You ever heard that? Somebody say that about athlete? Well, he really, he really had this, but he didn't make a, I don't want God to say that about us. So tonight, go home and start reading your Bible. Start spending some more time in prayer. Say, preacher, he's, you've kept us here till 12 o'clock. Good. We'll have sunrise service. Be back tomorrow night. Be in the choir. Sunday, be in, be in a disciple life class. Get more involved and get engaged. And the more that takes place, the more fulfilled and the more fulfilling things will be. I love you. God bless you. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right.
Yeah, amen. Yeah. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. We love you. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm. 
Amen. 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 The only thing that he will pour out his blessing upon is obedience. That's it. It doesn't matter what you give if it's not what he if it's not in obedience. It's no good. The only thing he'll pour out on and get and bless is obedience. I love you. Go ahead, brother. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Well, I'd like to say that I ran from God's calling for years. And I spent about seven or eight years of the most miserable life that anybody ever lived. And part of it's when I come here. And uh, I surrendered to God one Sunday morning at Beach Creek Baptist Church. Same sense, and that only then is when I found true peace. That's right. And if you're struggling today, take a look at what God's calling you to do. You may already know it, and just have to give it him all. But you got to give every bit of it to him, and then you'll have peace. Amen. love you. God bless you. If our hearts and minds are clear, see you tomorrow evening. Come ready. Come expecting. Amen. <laughs>